section twenty seven of the great events volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by dion gines salt lake city utah the great events by famous historians volume one edited by charles f horn rossiter johnson and john rudd conquests of cyrus the great b c five thirty eight by george grote part one on the destruction of nineveh three great powers still stood on the stage of history being bound together by the strong ties of a mutually supporting alliance these were media lydia and babylon the capital of lydia was sardis according to herodotus the first king of lydia was manus in the semi-mythic period of lydian history rose the great dynasty of the greek heraclidae which reigned for five hundred and five years numbering twenty-two kings b c twelve twenty nine to b c seven forty five the lydians are said by herodotus to have colonized Tyrrhenia in the italic peninsula and to have extended their conquests into syria where they founded ascalon in the territory later known as palestine in the reign of gyges b c seven twenty four they began to attack the greek cities of asia minor miletus smyrna and priene the glory of the lydian empire culminated in the reign of greek croesus the fifth and last historic king b c five sixty eight the well-known story of Solon's warning to greek croesus was full of ominous import with regard to the ultimate downfall of the lydian empire for thyself o croesus said the greek sage in answer to the question who is the happiest man i see that thou art wonderfully rich and art the lord of many nations but in respect to that whereon thou questionest me i have no answer to give until i hear that thou hast closed thy life happily the median empire occupied a territory indefinitely extending over a region south of the caspian between the kurdish mountains and the modern Khorasan the median monarchy according to herodotus commenced b c seven hundred eight the medes which were racially akin to the persians had been for fifty years subject to the assyrian monarchy when they revolted setting up an independent empire putting aside the dates given by the greek historians we shall perhaps be correct in considering that the great median kingdom was established by cyaxares b c six hundred thirty three and that in b c six hundred ten a great struggle of six years between media and lydia was amicably ended under the terror occasioned by an eclipse by the establishment of a treaty and alliance between the contending powers with the death of cyaxares b c five hundred ninety seven the glory of the great median empire passed away for under his son astyages 
the country was conquered by cyrus the rise of the babylonian empire seems to have originated b c two thousand two hundred thirty four when the cushite inhabitants of southern babylonia raised a native dynasty to the throne liberated themselves from the yoke of the zoroastrian medes and instituted an empire with several large capitals where they built mighty temples and introduced the worship of the heavenly bodies in contradistinction to the elemental worship of the magian medes the record of babylonian kings is full of obscurity even in the light of recent archaeological discoveries we can trace however a gradual expansion of babylonian dominion even to the borders of egypt nabo pilaser b c six twenty five to b c six o four was a great warrior and at karshemest defeated even the almost invincible egyptians b c six o four his successor nebuchadnezzar b c six o four immediately set about the fortification of his capital a space of more than one hundred thirty square miles was enclosed within walls eighty feet in breadth and three hundred or four hundred in height if we may believe the record meanwhile with the assistance of cyaxares king of media he captured tyre in phoenicia and jerusalem in syria but fifteen years after croesus had been taken prisoner and the persian empire extended to the shores of the aegean the empire of babylon fell before the conquering armies of cyrus the persian the ionic and aeolic greeks on the asiatic coast had been conquered and made tributary by the lydian king croesus down to that time says herodotus all greeks had been free their conqueror croesus who ascended the throne in five hundred sixty b c appeared to be at the summit of human prosperity and power in his unassailable capital and with his countless treasures at sardis his dominions comprised nearly the whole of asia minor as far as the river hollis to the east on the other side of that river began the median monarchy under his brother-in-law astyages extending eastward to some boundary which we cannot define but comprising in a southeastern direction persis proper or pharsistan and separated from the kissians and assyrians on the east by the line of mount zagros the present boundary line between persia and turkey babylonia with its wondrous city between the euphrates and the tigris was occupied by the assyrians or chaldeans under their king labanetus a territory populous and fertile partly by nature partly by prodigies of labor to a degree which makes us mistrust even an honest eye-witness who describes it afterward in its decline but which was then in its most flourishing condition the chaldean dominion under labidinus reached to the borders of egypt including as dependent territories both judea and phoenicia in egypt reigned the native king amasis powerful and affluent sustained in his throne by a large body of grecian mercenaries and himself favorably disposed to grecian commerce and settlement 
both with labinitus and with amasis croesus was on terms of alliance and as astyages was his brother-in-law the four kings might well be deemed out of the reach of calamity yet within the space of thirty years or a little more the whole of their territories had become embodied in one vast empire under the sun of an adventurer as yet not known even by name the rise and fall of oriental dynasties have been in all times distinguished by the same general features a brave and adventurous prince at the head of a population at once poor warlike and greedy acquires dominion while his successors abandoning themselves to sensuality and sloth probably also to oppressive and irascible dispositions become in process of time victims to those same qualities in a stranger which had enabled their own father to seize the throne cyrus the great founder of the persian empire first the subject and afterward the dethroner of the median astyages corresponds to their general description as far at least as we can pretend to know his history for in truth even the conquests of cyrus after he became ruler of media are very imperfectly known while the facts which preceded his rise up to that sovereignty cannot be said to be known at all we have to choose between different accounts at variance with each other and of which the most complete and detailed is stamped with all the character of romance the cyropedia of xenophon is memorable and interesting considered with reference to the greek mind and as a philosophical novel that it should have been quoted so largely as authority on matters of history is only one proof among many how easily authors have been satisfied as to the essentials of historical evidence the narrative given by herodotus of relations between cyrus and astyages agreeing with xenophon in little more than the fact that it makes cyrus son of cambyses and mandane and grandson of astyages goes even beyond the story of romulus and remus in respect to tragical incident and contrast astyages alarmed by a dream condemns the new-born infant of his daughter mandane to be exposed harpagus to whom the order is given delivers the child to one of the royal herdsmen who exposes it in the mountains where it is miraculously suckled by a bitch thus preserved and afterward brought up as the herdman's child cyrus manifests great superiority both physical and mental is chosen king in play by the boys of the village and in this capacity severely chastises the son of one of the courtiers for which offence he is carried before astyages who recognizes him for his grandson but is assured by the magi that the dream is out and that he has no further danger to apprehend from the boy and therefore permits him to live with harpagus however astyages is extremely incensed for not having executed his orders he causes the son of harpagus to be slain and served up to be eaten by his unconscious father at a regal banquet the father apprised afterward of the fact 
dissembles his feelings but meditates a deadly vengeance against astyages for this thyestean meal he persuades cyrus who has been sent back to his father and mother in persia to head a revolt of the persians against the medes whilst astyages to fill up the grecian conception of madness as a precursor to ruin sends an army against the revolters commanded by harpagus himself of course the army is defeated astyages after a vain resistance is dethroned cyrus becomes king in his place and harpagus repays the outrage which he has undergone by the bitterest insults such are the heads of a beautiful narrative which is given at some length in herodotus it will probably appear to the reader sufficiently romantic though the historian intimates that he had heard three other narratives different from it and that all were more full of marvels as well as in wider circulation than his own which he had borrowed from some unusually sober-minded persian informants in what points the other three stories departed from it we do not hear to the historian of halicarnassus we have to oppose tesius the physician of the neighboring town of nidus who contradicted herodotus not without strong terms of censure on many points and especially upon that which is the very foundation of the early narrative respecting cyrus for he affirmed that cyrus was no way related to astyages however indignant we may be with tesius for the disparaging epithets which he presumed to apply to an historian whose work is to us inestimable we must nevertheless admit that as surgeon in actual attendance on king artaxerxes naaman and healer of the wound inflicted on that prince at kunaxa by his brother cyrus the younger he had better opportunities even than herodotus of conversing with sober-minded persians and that the discrepancies between the two statements are to be taken as a proof of the prevalence of discordant yet equally accredited stories herodotus himself was in fact compelled to choose one out of four so rare and late a plant is historical authenticity that cyrus was the first persian conqueror and that the space which he overran covered no less than fifty degrees of longitude from the coast of asia minor to the oxus and the indus are facts quite indisputable but of the steps by which this was achieved we know very little the native persians whom he conducted to an empire so immense were an aggregate of seven agricultural and four nomadic tribes all of them rude hardy and brave dwelling in a mountainous region clothed in skins ignorant of wine or fruit or any of the commonest luxuries of life and despising the very idea of purchase or sale their tribes were very unequal in point of dignity probably also in respect to numbers and powers among one another first in estimation among them stood the pasargadae and the first fratri or clan among the pasargadae were the achaemenidae to whom cyrus himself belonged whether his relationship to the median king whom he dethroned 
was a matter of fact or a political fiction we cannot well determine but xenophon in noticing the spacious deserted cities larissa and mespila which he saw in his march with the ten thousand greeks on the eastern side of the tigris gives us to understand that the conquest of media by the persians was reported to him as having been an obstinate and protracted struggle however this may be the preponderance of the persians was at last complete though the medes always continued to be the second nation in the empire after the persians properly so called and by early greek writers the great enemy in the east is often called the mede as well as the persian the median egbatana too remained as one of the capital cities and the usual summer residence of the kings of persia susa on the coaspis on the kissian plain farther southward and east of the tigris being their winter abode the vast space of country comprised between the indus on the east the oxus and caspian sea to the north the persian gulf and indian ocean to the south and the line of mount zagros to the west appears to have been occupied in these times by a great variety of different tribes and people yet all or most of them belonging to the religion of zoroaster and speaking dialects of the zend language it was known amongst its inhabitants by the common name of iran or aria it is in its central parts at least a high cold plateau totally destitute of wood and scantily supplied with water much of it indeed is a salt and sandy desert unsusceptible of culture parts of it are eminently fertile where water can be procured and irrigation applied scattered masses of tolerably dense population thus grew up but continuity of cultivation is not practicable and in ancient times as at present a large proportion of the population of iran seems to have consisted of wandering or nomadic tribes with their tents and cattle the rich pastures and the freshness of the summer climate in the region of mountain and valley near ecbatana are extolled by modern travellers just as they attracted the great king in ancient times during the hot months the more southerly province called persis proper faristan consists also in part of mountain land interspersed with valley and plain abundantly watered and ample in pasture sloping gradually down to low grounds on the sea-coast which are hot and dry the care bestowed both by medes and persians on the breeding of their horses was remarkable there were doubtless material differences between different parts of the population of this vast plateau of iran yet it seems that along with their common language and religion they also had something of a common character which contrasted with the indian population east of the indus the assyrians west of mount zagros and the masagete and other nomads of the caspian and the sea of aral less brutish restless and bloodthirsty than the latter more fierce contemptuous and extortionate and less capable of sustained industry than the two former there can be little doubt at the time of which we are now speaking 
when the wealth and cultivation of assyria were at their maximum that iran also was far better peopled than ever it has been since european observers have been able to survey it especially the northeastern portion bactria and sogdiana so that the invasions of the nomads from turkestan and tartary which have been so destructive at various intervals since the mohammedan conquest were before that period successfully kept back the general analogy among the population of iran probably enabled the persian conqueror with comparative ease to extend his empire to the east after the conquest of ecbatana and to become the full heir of the median kings if we may believe tesius even the distant province of bactria had been before subject to those kings at first it resisted cyrus but finding that he had become son-in-law of ostiagus as well as master of his person it speedily acknowledged his authority according to the representation of herodotus the war between cyrus and croesus of lydia began shortly after the capture of ostiagus and before the conquest of bactria croesus was the assailant wishing to avenge his brother-in-law to arrest the growth of the persian conqueror and to increase his own dominions his more prudent counsellors in vain represented to him that he had little to gain and much to lose by war with a nation alike hardy and poor he is represented as just at that time recovering from the affliction arising out of the death of his son to ask advice of the oracle before he took any final decision was a step which no pious king would omit but in the present perilous question croesus did more he took a precaution so extreme that if his piety had not been placed beyond all doubt by his extraordinary munificence to the temples he might have drawn upon himself the suspicion of a guilty scepticism before he would send to ask advice respecting the project itself he resolved to test the credit of some of the chief surrounding oracles delphi dodona branchidae near miletus amphiaris at thebes trophonius at labadiae and amen in libya his envoys started from sardis on the same day and were all directed on the hundredth day afterward to ask at the respective oracles how croesus was at that precise moment employed this was a severe trial of the manner in which it was met by four out of the six oracles consulted we have no information and it rather appears that their answers were unsatisfactory but amphiaris maintained his credit undiminished while apollo at delphi more omniscient than apollo at bronchidae solved the question with such unerring precision as to afford a strong additional argument against persons who might be disposed to scoff at divination no sooner had the envoys put the question to the delphian priestess on the day named what is croesus now doing than she exclaimed in the accustomed hexameter verse i know the number of grains of sand and the measures of the sea i understand the dumb and i hear the man who speaks not 
the smell reaches me of a hard-skinned tortoise boiled in a copper with lamb's flesh copper above and copper below croesus was awestruck on receiving this reply it described with the utmost detail that which he had been really doing so that he accounted the delphian oracle and that of amphiaris the only trustworthy oracles on earth following up these feelings with a holocaust of the most munificent character in order to win the favor of the delphian god three thousand cattle were offered up and upon a vast sacrificial pile were placed the most splendid purple robes and tunics together with couches and censers of gold and silver besides which he sent to delphi itself the richest presents in gold and silver statues bowls jugs etc the size and weight of which we read with astonishment the more so as herodotus himself saw them a century afterwards at delphi nor was croesus altogether unmindful of amphiaris whose answer had been creditable although less triumphant than that of the pythian priestess he sent to amphiaris a spear and shield of pure gold which were afterwards seen at thebes by herodotus this large donative may help the reader to conceive the immensity of those which he sent to delphi end of section twenty seven